This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May, and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Head Stuff is Ireland's largest podcast network. There's something for everyone here, gossip, social justice, film, politics, and yes, food, which would be us, of course. So what does being a Headstuff Plus member mean? Well, for five euros a month, you get early access to shows, uh, merchandise and bonus materials. For example, in our Spice Bags journey, we have had so many conversations that we reluctantly had to trim from the show. And you can find them here on our page, like Ahmadidi's Michelin Education. And from today, we'll have the infectiously wonderful Venezuelan food producers and chefs who have made Ireland their home. But more importantly, by being a member, you are, be- you are helping support Irish podcasts and enabling this community of creative voices to continue. Hi, today we're talking about Venezuela. And uh, because I grew up in Latin America, I wanted to give you just a three-minute intro to Venezuela. So first of all, Venezuela is in South America, and it borders with Guyana, Colombia, and Brazil. And it has a beautiful Caribbean coast. And I'm sure you've all heard of Isla Margarita, the island of Margarita, which is a beautiful Caribbean island off the coast of Venezuela. So Venezuela historically is is a very relevant country. It was... uh, The colonization of Venezuela started around 1522, and in 1811, they broke up with Spain, and the Libertador, the man who freed Venezuela and other countries of Latin America from Spanish rule, sorry, uh, was Simón Bolívar, and he's an iconic figure, much like Che Guevara. He's somebody that Latin Americans look up to. Venezuela is also very relevant because they are the country that has won the most beauty pageants in the world. So women in Venezuela are renowned for their beauty. And when I was a little girl, all the advertising for a soap called uh, Lux, L-U-X, was done by Miss Venezuela from Miss World. This is in the 80s. And I always wanted my mom to buy me that soap so I could look like a Venezuelan beauty pageant uh, winner. Anyway, also uh, sociologically, Venezuela is very important, especially in the Spanish-speaking world, because they dominated soap operas for many years. Uh, They were able to shut down Spain when they uh, transmitted the last episode of a very famous soap opera called Cristal. So um, I think in Latin America and in Spain, we know Venezuela really well. We understand their accent. We know their expressions. For example, chamo means guy and chévere means cool. So we're not new to Venezuela. And that's why the food is able to travel really well to places like Miami, where there's a lot of Cubans, or Madrid, where there's a lot of uh, uh, Venezuelans and Colombians and people from all over Latin America. May. Back to you. Tell us who we've talked to for this episode about Venezuelan food. It's a long list. May and I have been obsessed. Dee has been getting ready for her upcoming wedding. Congratulations, Dee. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for taking the uh, the lead on this one. But I have to say, it's been so interesting listening to all the interviews that you guys have done, all the research. And when I think about it, actually, Venezuelan 
people, which you guys who are listening will see from the clips, they're just um, so passionate and such amazing people. And any Venezuelans I know are exactly that. They're just beautiful people, lots of fun, lots of crack. And um, yeah, our list of people may, if you want to tell everyone who are, who follow that, follow in that vein. We had so many people um, on our list. Um, one, uh, Daniela from Monami Bakery, um, which mostly does French patisserie. Uh, Buzaida Hernandez, who is the head pastry chef at the Conrad Hotel. Jeannie Maltese. Maltese or Maltese? Maltese. Maltese. Sorry. Jeannie Maltese, a television chef. Uh, the women, um, Jeannie's sister um, from Sabanero <laughs> Cheese. Gabi Guadez, um, who is a wine writer, the guys from Arepas Grill, and also we need to give a shout out to um, other people we've talked to in the past, um, Nigeli from Sweet Shuro, uh, Pacheco's Food, and um, a vegan Venezuelan cafe called It's a Trap. Um, also, I do want to uh, ask Blanca, Blanca, can you explain maybe why there was such a wave of Venezuelan immigration? Okay, so politically, Venezuela has always had um, kind of like unstable political situation. Um, and this is caused because Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. So a lot of people feel this is a curse rather than I a blessing. I would never have guessed that just to say, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So I thought it would be in the Emirates. Yeah. So Venezuela from 1999, we know Chavez came to power, um, democratically elected, but he came to power because Venezuela was very unequal. And we have to remember inequality is always a driver for these revolutions. But the situation in Venezuela now, as a result of Maduro coming to power, there's been, a, you know, the democratic process in Venezuela hasn't worked very well. There's been a lot of embargoes, especially during, you know, the Trump administration took a very hard line to to Venezuela. But Venezuelan people have suffered a lot. And we have to, you know, be conscious of how um, this has affected them and what they eat. And it's very sad, especially to, to read how sometimes people can't find the main ingredients to cook their traditional foods, um, like the arepa flour. Arena pan is no longer something that's easily found because it's produced in in Colombia. And also, interestingly enough, sometimes these flowers, these corn flowers, are used for political propaganda by the by Chavez. In his, um, he gives boxes to people of food for you know, like the rationing a rationing system. So we wanted to just take a moment and think about that, like reflect on how these foods that we have, you know, for fun, like, oh, we're having arepas, how much fun, you know, let's think about a little bit the origin of these foods. It's a pre-Columbian um, dish, but also how in Venezuela an arepa has become a luxury for some people. I also think too, I mean, and going back to what Dee was saying, I, she's, you're absolutely right, Dee, because everyone is so, you know, fun, like the Venezuelans are so fun. But there's also another aspect about their character, which is they're so resilient. Um, and we talked to, I think we talked to an inordinate number of women, uh, just wanted to give a shout out because it was recently International Women's Day. But these Venezuelan women are, was just, they're such an inspiration for both, you know, how how bright they are, their intellect and their keenness and their yeah. sense of humor. 
and almost I think in the Venezuelan character um there's a lot of similarities with the Irish maybe and maybe that's why you know when we had first talking about doing covering Venezuelan food and cuisine and not from an Irish perspective I kind of thought oh but there isn't a lot of Venezuelan food here in Ireland um but actually when I thought about it when we researched and I was like you know thinking of friends that I've known and suddenly I just thought oh wow there are actually so many Venezuelan people here in the food industry and so much Venezuelan food here of course you just need to think about it sometimes it's not on the tip of your tongue um and and those people and from the people who we've spoken to you know they've all emigrated a lot of Irish people have emigrated a lot of Venezuelan people emigrate they they are good fun they love a joke they love the and they love that nature in Irish people as well and I think there's a common bond there and it's why maybe our two nations have um have a lot in common um from that perspective in from personalities and and our drive for entrepreneurship like a lot of Venezuelans who come here actually set up their own businesses they don't just get I mean of course I'm sure they get jobs but in companies but they want to then go out and start you know make their own name for themselves here and I feel like Irish people have historically done that quite a lot as well to be fair Dee you do here get a lot less sunshine. Yeah. Major, <laughs> major difference, difference. Although that's usually the major difference with a lot of our favorite countries that we love to travel to is the sunshine. Um, I wanted to drop a clip here uh, with um, food uh, wine writer Gabby Geddes, who works in Web Summit. And she told us a little bit about the Venezuelan community here in Ireland. So let's listen to it. The community of Venezuelan in Ireland is relatively small. Um, last time I checked, and uh, there were around 1,200 people, uh, Venezuelan, uh, living in Ireland, uh, which compared to communities in Spain or Miami or Colombia, it's tiny. Um, but it's small. But because there's loads of similarities, um, a lot of people arrived in a period of, five or eight years so similar time similar age group young professionals we have a lot in common so it's it's closely knit um there is actually um a website and an organization uh, i believe they they are either registered um or in the process of registering uh, as an organization which is called venezuelan community in ireland and it's it's a it's a good spot to contact um for people that want to be in touch, want to learn about the culture, uh, want to donate and help because obviously we know that uh, some people are struggling, um, which is it's very unfortunate, but at least uh, this community is, is doing their bit um, to make it better, I suppose. We'd like to drop a clip here now with um, my good friend Jeannie Maltese. Um, Jeannie is, as we've mentioned already, she's a food writer as well and a chef, and she's become a TV sensation, um, a chef on the RT1's The Today Show and Virgin's 6 O'Clock Show. Um, she also is very busy. She's co-founder of My Nutrition Ireland with her husband, Tom. She does loads of cookery demos and talks, and it's just generally a really passionate foodie here in Ireland and someone who I met years ago um, and I just adore. She's everything that we've talked about in terms of Venezuelan people and their personality. She's just 
absolutely stunning, um, absolutely beautiful, but on the inside and out. And I think it's her electric personality that has, um, for a lot of people, the reason they want to follow her and get excited about food is because she makes it so exciting. Um, so we've spoken to Jeannie and we're going about, um, especially about some of uh, lo- lots of different things, but about describing, you know, food identity in one single dish, the ayakas, um, which sound absolutely amazing. And um, I love the way she describes them. And also about international social clubs in Venezuela. Tell us a little bit about Venezuelan food. You're from Venezuela. You fell in love with an Irishman like so many Latinas and Spanish and Chinese who live in Ireland. Tell us about Venezuelan food. We're very excited to find out what are the staples, what, what are, why are we should be getting excited about Venezuelan food. It is very interesting, though, because I've been away. I moved out of Venezuela 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, there were no many Latin people that I knew in uh, Galway, specifically where I moved in. And I think it was brilliant to see how so many Venezuelans are now and here, especially a lot of young people, and they're trying to bring in their culture and their food and all of this. But it is very interesting to see, especially in New York, it is huge. Um, This Venezuelan influence is so exciting, especially because they're very different elements to the food in comparison to Mexico, which is a lot of chili and all of that. None of that in Venezuela. You know, you work a lot with very fresh ingredients and lots of sofrito, what will be uh, onions and garlic and spring onions, and that will bring the flavor. But it's not over spice that you will have probably in India. You know, you don't put too many spices or in Mexico as well. Um, for me, what I found really good, like I grew up looking at travel uh, programs and that's why it really inspired me to travel and learn about other cultures and food and music. Um, I remember always Anthony Bourdain always said um, the best type of foods were the ones that come from poverty or, you know, very humble background. But growing up in Venezuela, what I thought was it was a show off of different cultures. You know, it was like a melting pot in harmony, really. Um, if I talk to you about ayaka, I don't know if you ever heard of ayaka, it's like a tamale or a tamal. It is wrapped in this beautiful banana leaf, which is smoked, um, and it has that beautiful smoky flavor. So inside you put a beautiful butter that's very moist, made of corn and a little bit of fat. Sometimes people use pork fat to make it moist. But inside is everything that represents Venezuela because you have an abundance of different cultures. You have olives, you have almonds, you have raisins in there, which is so interesting because in those times, when you think about the rest of the world, these were amazing um, ingredients together and they were quite expensive, very expensive then. You know, they were all brought by boats. And I find it really interesting that you have then beef, chicken, and pork in the same dish. There was a real show off of the wealth of the land. It wasn't really about poverty when you think about it. When you open an ajaka, it has everything, carrots, onions, it's just so much. And it sounds like there's a lot in here, but once you taste it and they're all put together, they really taste lovely because you have a bit of onion here, meat over there, the sweetness from the raisins, the beautiful briny flavor from the olive trees comes from the, obviously, the Spanish heritage there. And some families will add almonds. Every family adds something different. So that really, for me, sums up Venezuelan food as I know it personally. 
a really diverse culture um, melted in one pot and it's, it really works well. In my personal experience when I was growing up, my mother take, take us to different uh, social clubs and then you have the Arab Venezuelan, the Italo Venezuelan club, the Spanish Venezuelan. Um, so I grew up celebrating all these cultures. Every time was a big paella day and we celebrating the day for Spain, the international day for everybody coming together and the club and they have a massive paella and pulpo, you know, octopus. And I absolutely love it. And we celebrate the Arab culture. Cantonese, which is Cantonese Chinese, is huge um, in Venezuela. So I grew up with all of that, and that's where I look for food today. Excitement, new flavors, new things. Um, and nothing, I don't see it as, um, it'd be very hard for me to say, oh, Venezuelan food is the best food in the world, because I have traveled. And every time you meet beautiful people, they're very proud of their culture and their food. Italians will tell you, I'm half Italian. Italians will tell you, we have the best olive oil. We have the best cheese. We have this. You go to Spain, it'll be the same. The best olive oil. The, our food is the best. Um, Asia, I have traveled to Singapore and I love food in Vietnam. And I found in Singapore, it was a bit like a bit of Venezuela when I was growing up. Amazing food from all over the world. Um, and this all beautiful hawker towns and you go in and you can taste anything you wish. So that will sum up for me the, the taste I have in food today and the things that excite me about food. So Jeannie's based in Galway and Sabanero cheese that I have become addicted to is owned by Diana Maltese, who you can guess is Jeannie's sister. Two very beautiful Venezuelan uh, entrepreneurs here in, in Ireland. So um, Diana is a younger sister, and she came here to visit her sister, who was already settled here, and Jeannie's been here 20 years. And she also fell in love with Ireland. And because she's very entrepreneurial, she you know stayed here, and she set up a dry cleaning business. Because, you know, these people are very good at setting businesses, especially, you know, overseas. And then she really missed the fresh cheeses of Latin America. And let me tell you, one very, very different thing between Spanish food and Latin American food is their love of cheese. Like Spanish people love cheese, but we don't cook with cheese. Whereas in Latin America, everything is made with cheese. So you have the cachapas, which are corn cakes filled with this fresh cheese, so the Sabanero cheeses that she has and the cream are delicious. They just took me back to my childhood in Costa Rica where I used to where, where I used to eat those fresh cheeses. But anyway, she's making these gorgeous cheeses in Galway with Irish ingredients, very natural and um she's very motivated, has, you know, a a, a long list of customers who do both Venezuelan food and also uh, you know, other types of restaurants. But um it's just a story of somebody who had a love of cheese that she learned from her grandfather in Barinas in Venezuela. And she wanted to recreate these cheeses in Ireland. And she's done a very, very good job. So um, I strongly recommend that you get um, some cheeses from Sabanero if you can. Before we continue to talk about Venezuelan food, let me tell you about our fellow head stuffers, Garode Farrelly's new podcast, Fascinated. Garode tackles the guilty pleasure that we all share, celebs. He chats with some very familiar faces about topics from the elevated to the totally trivial. 
I'm Geraud Farrelly and I'm the host of Fascinated. Have you ever wondered about the pop bands you liked as a teenager? What went on behind the scenes? We had played this like grand prank. It sounds terrible, but I'm just so relieved it's over. And then they had this like great idea of getting another girl in who looked like Heavenly. What did they do afterwards? And all of a sudden you're like, that's the end of that. It was all blowing up and it all kind of just unraveled. And I thought it would last forever and it didn't. Check out Fascinated with me, Gerald Farley, on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Also, um, I just want to say that when we were doing this Venezuelan podcast, uh, because Dee and I are not Spanish speakers, Blanca had to give us a tutorial <laughs> on how to pronounce certain things. And so, you know, it's like, it's Ayacas. It's sabanero. There is no any, and so, um, and I just think that it, you know, it was, it was kind of a fun. It was, it was just an interesting, eye-opening thing to do. I think what you're trying to say is this has been a learning curve for us all. This episode because we've met, we've actually connected with so many more people. I went down a Venezuelan rabbit hole on Instagram the other night, finding more and more. Like you know, when you like an account or follow somebody, it suggests more people <laughs> underneath. So like, there's a Venezuelan Irish community uh, one. There was loads of little bakeries, people doing it from you know, just starting off. Um, there was a chef down in Waterford somewhere. Like, I mean, there's actually just such an amazing Venezuelan community here that are, as we just talked about, have that spirit of their country people and just out there striving to to spread their love of Venezuelan food from their home country. And um, yeah, it's been so much fun. Plus learning pronunciations. That's definitely been fun. Always, as always, as always. I was going to say, with that caveat, I wanted to um, bring up a couple more Venezuelan foods that um, that came across. <laughs> that we may not pronounce radar, correctly. Right, that we might not say. pronounce correctly. I'm here to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's cachapas. 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 Tequinos. Um, Pequeños. Tequinos. And then, of course, we did already, we already did the um, ayacas that Jeannie mm-hmm. talked about so beautifully. And I want to bring it back to what, how Jeannie was talking about how these ayekas, it's, it's about showing off how decadent you can be. So you have these three meats, you know, together and stuff, you know, and you're stuffing it in this sort of tamale thing with, with the olives. And it just, it was so delicious and so enticing. Yeah. The other thing that Jeannie also mentioned, and a lot of the other people that we talked about as well was the Tremendous international presence in Venezuela. Um, it has a huge Italian community. Um, I believe Jeannie is half Italian. Um, I know Najeli has a grandfather from Milan. Um, and so many of the other people that we said, oh, they're, oh, they're half Italian. So mo- a lot of the food that they would have grown up with would have been Italian. Um, and then on top of that, I think Jeannie was talking about these social eating clubs and that are international, right? And so you might do a paella, but with a Venezuelan twist, you know, um, and, you know, and apparently there's great Chinese food in Venezuela as well. Mm. You're just dying yeah. to get onto the uh, oh, Latina China. Just a little comment about these social clubs. When I lived in Costa Rica, I was Miss Andalucia for the Spanish club. So I would wear my flamenco dress with my Miss Andalucia banner. So anyway, I will share those pictures with um, with Dee to post on Instagram. 
but yeah, those social clubs are very important to people who live overseas. So the Spanish mm. club, the, I think Jeannie also talked about the Arab club, but all those clubs are all over Latin America. Um, I wanted to talk, um, I wanted to drop this interview with Brizida. Again, Brizida Hernandez is the head chef head pastry chef at the Conrad Hotel. Um, and she grew up in a town called Barquisimeto. Barquisimeto. Barquisimeto, um, which um, was known, is known for, as a musical capital of Venezuela. Um, and it goes back to what Dee and I were talking about before, about this link between Venezuelan and Irish character. And she talks a bit about home and the attachment of home. And she also talks about humor, laughing in the face of adversity which yes. seems to be both a Venezuelan and Irish characteristic. To be a Venezuelan, um, it's a great thing. At this moment, Venezuela means to be open to changes, to have open mentality, to embrace the changes that are presented for us. The Venezuelan is normally not uh, embracing people because we love the country, um, I think all of us, we are expecting to grow up all in our own house. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity came in one way or another to emigrate. Mm -hmm. So now you had the Venezuelan diaspora all around the world. Mm -hmm. Over the years, the country forced us to change over and over. Political situation, new limitation, restriction you know, etc. I feel that part of Venezuela inside me helped me to adapt to Ireland, a new country. And thank goodness it was a great country. Eh? Not everybody had the same look. Um, but I think this happened at, at all the Venezuela. This force inside us help us to be better every day, you know. Uh, you see, the, and you have the national characteristics. Yeah. Venezuelans are happy persons, you know, and having a good humor mm -hmm. is a very dis distinctive Venezuelan characteristic, which is not always a good thing. I tell you why. Okay. You see how the country has worsened throughout these past 20 years. And you still see most of the population, instead of taking the situation more serious, they often make jokes out of it. Yes, yeah, so sometimes I, 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 don't, I don't like that, of course. I like the good sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes you have to take everything more serious because it's really, really see this, what is happening in there, yeah. One more positive note is uh, Venezuela, you know, we, we need very little to be happy or to find happiness, yeah. There is nothing that a good meal, music, <laughs> someone you care about, and a simple room that cannot fix. <laughs> and, and for us, this is, this, this is normal, this is simple. We can be happy very easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the best. I absolutely love 
Prasida's uh, chat and when you talked about when she talked about home like it got me it really got me you know it just really struck me in my heart I could feel I could just feel her I could feel everything she was talking about even though it's a completely different country she's talking about just that attachment to home I just she's such a passionate lady I really loved listening to her um yeah really really great to have connected with her and Brisaida's favorite Venezuelan food which was not in this inter- which which is which unfortunately we can't play is um the taquinos um, and uh, we have talked about taquinos. She said, if it was my last day on earth, I just want 20 taquinos. Blanca, can you describe what a taquino is and why it's so delicious? It's like a, a cheese stick wrapped in pastry. And of course, you have to use the, the cheeses that Diana makes in Galway to make it extremely authentic. But you normally fry them. But Jeannie gave me a great tip the other day. She said you can actually brush them with um, egg wash and bake them in the oven and they taste delicious. But yeah, tequeños are really, really delicious um, kind of cheese wraps. They're really astonishing. And you can find them also in sweet churro. Um, I think most of the you know people who make uh, Venezuelan food in Ireland have them. Arepas Grill have also fabulous ones. They're a good gateway to Venezuelan food. Definitely. And talking about arepas, um, we haven't talked about arepas, but just one one thing, uh, arepa is a corn cake that you can stuff with many different things. There's also similar corn cakes in other parts of Latin America. El Salvador has pupusas. Mexico has gorditas. But I think we've discussed this with the guys from Arepas and our Venezuelan friends. We think the reason Arepas are so enjoyable and fun is because they can literally be stuffed with anything. And you just make them and cut them with a knife and stuff them. My favorite filling is reina pepiada, which means like queen, queen that's dressed up. And it's made with avocado and chicken and a little bit of chili. It's delicious. And speaking of arepas, we were lucky enough to talk to the guys at Arepas Grill. And so important because these are guys who had come over years ago and they were bringing Venezuelan food to Ireland. Uh, Many of the Venezuelans here uh, will not, you know, don't, they they cook other things. Um, So so this was these two guys introducing their national food here. Yeah. So we talked to Gabriel Quintero, who's the manager, and uh, the two brothers are both called Oscar, and they were in the background. They're a little bit more shy. But anyway, or we had a really good time talking to, to Gabriel about Arepas Grill, which is definitely the pioneer of, of food, of our Venezuelan food. They started in markets and they moved to Eat Yard. They're located on Richmond Street. So not within my 5K but they told me they could deliver to Don Leary. So maybe this weekend is going to be my arepas piece. Oh my God. They are within my 5K. Yeah. Like, I know both I just, of ours. <laughs> yeah, May, let's do it. Like yeah, we need to get totally. an arepas feast, you know. I, I also loved um, listening to him and um, yeah, uh, uh, the thoughts of an Irish arepa possibly. I mean, that was kind of exciting. I'd love to see when, you know, what's funny when I was, when I think of arepas, I do think of, I do think of an Irish version as, as with potato, like, cause you know, we have obviously like a lot of products with potato, like the box tea and, and we love kind of crepes and things like that. And farrel, potato farrels and just so many different things that I just feel like there could be, arepas is quite 
is quite close to an Irish, um, not, uh, it's made from completely different ingredients, but you know what I mean? Like as in there could be an Irish version of it is what I'm trying to say. Plus I would like to offer my services to, uh, Gabriel if he wants, uh, isn't that, <laughs> that's his name, right? Gabriel, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, to Gabriel, if you would like any research testers, I'm sure myself and May would be more than happy to help him with that. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I love it. And they're so great. Like I, that's how I first um, tried Arepas here was with Arepas Grill and um, they have such a variety. And if you go onto their, like their website, it's, they do have a lot of uh, visuals there as well, which kind of helps people. I want to say, Gabrielle, you were one of the first, Arepas Grill was one of the first sort of pioneering businesses like that did Venezuelan food in Ireland. Am I correct? Yes, yes, you're definitely correct. Um, it's a proudness going on there when you just mentioned that we are the pioneering um, Venezuelan kind of um, arepas concept, let's say, in that kind of way. But um, yeah, indeed, we started in 2017. So here we are, 2021. Gabriel, do you mind if I ask just for our listeners, I'm sure that um, people have some notion of what is going on in Venezuela, but in your, in your words, like what, what is going on? Um, well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bit of everything. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a broad question that I would be happily answering, you know, if if the times allows. But, um, you know, um, socially and economically speaking, not even talking politics, um, socially, economically speaking, um, is, is, is a nightmare. I mean, socially speaking, people don't really understand each other. Um, they're just looking for their own... Um, um, what you call is their own um, advantage or they their own what you call as well um, what they really want for themselves not really even for the community itself as well so economically speaking well we, we, we could be one of the you know richest countries in the world as well you know we have loads of natural resources we have also um, a massive uh, society which is completely welcoming which is completely warm as well but you know, some other um, points kind of may affect this kind of you know um, performing so well, per- society performing. Let's say, but yeah, it's a bit of everything, you know. Um, I don't want to really even go into politics because you know everything will become a bit more kind of um, splitted. But um, you know, I, I, every time that I talk to people and and they go on in terms of Venezuelan kind of crisis and what's going on, you know, easy question that you could ever answer it would be, you know, people are not eating. People would hardly have three meals a day. So I mean, it's not really point to 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 keep digging because I mean, when people are not actually living correctly with the basic needs, something is going on. doesn't matter what party you are in, you know? Um, Gabriel, let's move on to basically what Spice Bags is about. Spice Bags is about global food in a local context. And what we've noticed is there's a lot of Venezuelan entrepreneurship in Ireland for the amount of people that that we have. Um, so I wanted you to comment on that because I know, you know, you come from a business background. I know Diana from Sabanero comes from a business background, Sweet Churro. So there seems to be a lot of entrepreneurs um, or people with an entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah. let's let's talk about entrepreneurial spirit and Venezuela. Well, I mean, um, 
diversity comes along with the, the whole uh, entrepreneurial idea as well. Um, you know, under, being able to understand the different backgrounds is a, a key factor to be able to to build up a business. Um, we, back in the days, we were colonized by Spaniards and moreover Italian, some Portuguese people as well. So, I mean, it's a, it's a multicultural background that we have got since, you know, um, colonization, but um, being able to, to kind of communicate easily with all those three countries, plus um, the whole kind of immersed situation that we have found ourselves lately, you know, in the last 12, 15 years, you have, I suppose, is is in our inner um, side of the story that, you know, we will be able to to think about solving problems, society problems, or, you know, uh, create a, a business that could probably lead towards, you know, healthiness and, 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 and well, different kind of uh, point of view. But uh, I suppose Venezuela is is well educated as far as i i could tell um, we are uh, empowered to go to college and to finish a uh, university as well so i mean it's a well prepared country which sadly um hasn't really come together towards a unique objective which is you know the whole country um Gabrielle, I wanted to ask you, what would you, I, I know you are doing the Arepas Grill, um, and I would love for yeah. you to talk more about the Arepas Grill itself, but what in your mind is Venezuelan food? Like when are, like is it wow. like, this is that, and then also what would be the staples that you would find in a Venezuelan pantry? And also at some point I wanted to address, because I feel like the Venezuelans I've talked to have a love for ceviche. We also call those kind of uh, dishes as a, as a well, we, we do have an a, a inner uh, kind of joke as well in terms of ceviche and seafoods and all those sort of stuff. Even when you go to the beach, you can actually ask any uh, a street vendor or, you know, uh, no, no commercial vendor, and get me one rompe colchón or get me one quita marido. So that was pretty much means that, you know, it will give you a boost in your immune system. It will give you, you know, a lift up. In terms of seafood, that's what we believe it does. But um, in terms of Venezuelan food in general, um, oh, wow, it's just my old childhood, you know, how we grew up uh, uh, at the kitchen every time. You know, in Venezuelan culture, you don't really spend time in your bedroom. You don't really spend time kind of, you know, um, obviously with friends, definitely. But, you know, in, in terms of spending time at home, it will be with your mom, with your dad, cooking together, eating together and watching TV together, soap opera, drama, all those sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, it's beautiful to remember all those sorts of stuff where I'm coming from. But it's also nice to keep remembering that I do have those kind of um, um, what you call foods uh, in in Dublin, Ireland. So yeah. Do you have any specific dishes that you really love from childhood that? Well, um, in fairness, there are really several dishes that I would um, name, but um, the, the the quickest that I would come to my mind would be the pavillon, which is based in in rice, uh, black beans. Um, fry egg, 
some pulled beef as well, and some cheese, and some, oh, the most, I cannot even miss this, uh, the sweet plantain. Okay. Yeah. Actually, by the way, can can yeah. uh, just as an aside, can you give some tips for our listeners how to actually just peel that plantain? Well, you see, um, peeling, peeling the plantain is just like a peeling a banana, I say. Obviously, the skin, the skin, the skin will be harder. I understand that. So um, you could either go and get a knife and, you know, open a, 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 along the whole plantain, uh, you know, kind of cut the skin. Don't go uh, all the way across the, the banana itself, just the skin of it. And then you start using your hands and raping the whole skin away. Now, there are different type of banana or plantain, if you want to call it. Um, obviously, it has to be with the time of the maturity of the banana. So when it's green, um, obviously, it's no matured. Um, when it's yellow, becoming black, it's completely ripped or mature. So that's, you know, the, the difference between them and also the difference between a cooking because if you get the yellow banana, let's call it, you will get the sweet plantain itself. If you get it from the green banana, you will get the patacon that we also serve in Arepas Grill. Um, Gabriel, you told me something I didn't know about Venezuelan food, um, that the value proposition of Arepas Grill was also um, that it's that arepas are gluten-free. First yeah. of all, describe arepas for people who don't know them, and then Give us a little bit of an insight into the gluten-free, um, why you were able to capitalize on that maybe gap in the market. Yeah, well, you see, the, the gap in the market has been there for the last, let's say, five, six years, even more, 10 years. Um, you know, people are slowly awakening in terms of um, healthiness, what they are eating, how they are eating. And, you know, the, pretty much the diet, what they are kind of day, day, daily basis uh, consuming. Um, arepas itself is pretty interesting. It's, it's like a round, it's like a circle. Let's call it, it's, it's difficult to kind of explain in English, you know, because we don't really have a word to describe how it could look. Some people call it is a disc. Some people call it is a, a corn um, cornbread. Some people call it like a burger-shaped um, uh, arepa. But it would be one finger of the thickness, okay? And it's around in terms of, let's say, like a 10, 10, cent, no, 10 centimeters, probably 8 to 10 centimeters diameter. So um, how it's made is coming from the corn flour, okay? And then we added some salt, really tiny bit of salt because uh, uh, we don't really, I mean, you see, salt is, is something that, you know, people rather put in their level of saltiness in it. So we tend to not add salt at all. And also um, you mix that with water and then you become kind of mixing the whole dough until it gets solidified. And then you kind of make a round shape and it start kind of a, what you call it, kind of squeezing the dough until it gets a disc or a round shape. That's pretty much it. And then it goes onto the grill for a couple of minutes, flip it over both sides, and then until, you know, the whole sound of the arepa becomes um, kind of, um, what you call, um, 
no halo, if that makes sense. Is that, I'm going to sound really ignorant right now, but I've actually been very curious. Is that Epas? Is that indigenous to Venezuela? Because you have yes, 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 big time, big time. It, it actually it remotely uh, you, you could you could find that Epa remotely back in the days when the indigenous uh, life or or communities were on Venezuela and on the whole South America as well. There is a debate between Colombian and, and Venezuelan as well about the Arepas and who owns the Arepa itself as well. So I mean, um, it does come from those. Uh, you know, communities where we also belong. Um, but um, at some point in 1950, 1955, uh, a man, which is, you know, uh, uh, the whole uh, creature of the Arena Pan, which is, you know, the arena that we also uh, use for the creation of the arepas. Um, and then everything became industrialized. So you wouldn't really, you know, peel the corn to then squeeze the whole corn and get the flour from it. So everything has just come already packaged since that time. But yeah, you're so right. Um, it definitely comes from the indigenous community back in the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing also we, we've discussed uh, before was how versatile, because um, there's there's corn, these corn patties are, you can see them throughout Latin America, but the Venezuelan one has kind of, caught the imagination of chefs. So tell us about how versat the versatility of the arepa. Why do you think it's become successful? Yeah, well, the third point, obviously, as we just mentioned, the, the added value is completely, you know, uh, uh, towards the gluten-free uh, point of view. You know, nowadays people are kind of, you know, really worrying about how much they are eating and how badly they are eating. Anyways, um, just to make the story short, the versatility of the arepa is just so, it's just there. You can't, I mean, once you have the arepa itself, you want to just add it, whatever you really fancy. So you could either go with pulled beef, you could either go with shredded chicken, you could either go with pork, even ham and cheese, which is the typical, even in my place, we used to have arepa with loads of eggs, scrambled eggs, ham scrambled egg, cheese scrambled egg, you you know, bacon, you could you add on whatever you really fancy. Just remember, it's, Let's not don't call it a bread, but it's pretty much a bread that you can stuff in with loads of choices. What you really fancy the most, just add it and enjoy it. Yeah, and I was gonna say how other you know gorditas from Mexico or pupusas from El Salvador don't have this versatility like the arepa, no. where you can cut it. So the arepa is kind of like the corn sandwich, and it's if any of you haven't tried it, you need to run over and try this immediately if it's in your 5k radius I'm, I'm dying for this 5k radius to be lifted so i can get some arepas <laughs> we also we also have delivery going on so um if you're entitled and if you're leaving outside the five kilometer radio and um, don't hesitate just give us a call um reserve your you know your best meals be creative as well yourself you don't really want to add on to the pavilion the pool beef just take the pool beef away and then you're gonna have a vegetarian dish. If you want a vegan, we will avoid the butter. And then, you know, everything is adaptable. Everything could be adaptable and everything is adaptable with us. Actually, uh, Gabriel, I am curious though, when you started out making arepas in Ireland, like what was the Irish response? Were you selling it as a gluten-free option? How were you doing the, you know what I mean? Like, like, were you selling it as a snack food? Were you selling it as something that was healthy? How were people responding mm -hmm. 
how did then your marketing maybe shift over the years? Yeah, you see, strategically speaking, it, it, it was a hard task to kind of come across with the best way to sell the itself because obviously it's something that people would not really realize that it even exists. Although back in the days, I'm not really sure about the age uh, or the year, sorry, um, arepas would be qualified as the best breakfast in the world in terms of healthiness, in terms of, you know, uh, the freshness of it. But um, moreover than that, uh, the way that we'll, we would potentially um, thrive the whole Arepa's sensation into the Irish uh, culture would be much more entitled to, to, to say that it's gluten-free, first point, added value, you know. And because, I mean, it's strange enough back home, we don't have those intolerances that, you know, um, in, in, in Ireland would be, you know, or not even in Ireland, you know, across the whole world, we wouldn't be really suffering about, you know, gluten-free. Yeah. We would not be really about worrying about, um, um, you know, any allergy that, you know, you would definitely find it in, 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 in Europe or, or USA or, or another kind of a country in the whole um, planet. But, you know, in terms of, in terms of the dough itself, is no um, is no modify. I mean, it's yeah. it's purely coming from the the, the, the core itself. So um, you know, when you actually sell your product from that point of view, people would actually get the the sensation of okay, nothing is being done wrongly over here. Everything is naturally made, and also um, it. it, it it becomes easy in a way that you know you are shaping the whole area while the, the while the customer is, is is waiting for 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 it, for its products. So at the end of the night, while you're making the area in front of the in front of the customer and also explaining how we uh, may or how we became uh, offering those products, you know people get more interest interested and, 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 and makes the whole kind of process uh, much easier in that kind of sense. It's kind of interesting because you're saying in certain ways that this idea of healthy healthy eating in Ireland and also this trend towards street food, which I never understood, like that they're actually, um, they can be linked in a certain way, right? That you know you have a customer yeah. interested in what they're putting in their body. And that's one of the reasons why Irish people are so into street food too, is because they want to see it being made in front of them yeah. and in certain ways you guys were in the forefront of doing that. That is, you see, when, when you, when you have a product, which is handcrafted, it, it, it gives much more added value to the product. That's, that's, that's not a dispute. And also when you actually say that that dish could be completely vegetarian or even vegan adaptable, it makes the whole versatility of Arepa much more kind of captive for the for for the customer itself or not even for the customer for new for new customers as well because when they're walking by and they say gluten-free cornbread what what the hedge is this so they come they ask where they come from and then you start kind of you know engaging with them and giving a, a, a short story of how, how it's made and, and 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 how healthy it is and it's not healthy just because the word sounds beautiful it's just because it's purely healthy itself okay Gabriel, we know you're super busy, so we're going to ask you one last question, and it's going to be, what would be an Irish filling for arepa? 
Like if you had to sell to people who are, yeah. what would you ask them from just products from Ireland? What would you ask them to do? Have you crafted any arepas like this in Arepas Grill? We have we have certainly tried some of the arepas and and hopefully we would we would be launching um, hopefully two arepas and um, we would not be really sure what's the days of the launching but we are definitely adding um, two arepas to our menu and these arepa would be including the seafood because people eat loads of seafood over here in Ireland. And also, um, there is another thing coming up as well, which is, uh, you know, trying, tr not trying, even making possible the whole arepa side of the story into how we could actually create arepa with potatoes. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are just ideas. Um, we also have, um, you know, a, a really... A, creative team in Arepas Grill that also is, you know, despite the, the whole, you know, uh, making Arepas every day or making patacons or making cachapas, we haven't even actually talked about it, which is a sweet corn pancake. And, um, you know, it's just trying to, to, to find the gap in terms of using another kind of ingredients that Irish people would use in daily basis and adapt it into that, because that would be pretty much the selling point where we could take advantage of. And very last question, actually. Um, and it doesn't have Please to be do. Yeah, no. What is your dream meal? Your last meal? What is your dream? What is the thing that you think about? Well, you see, um, I'll be really honest with you. This is, this is a, I'm not going to say an odd question, but I have been asked a couple of times and I actually, I haven't even figured out what would be the, you know, the, the, the dream meal. But I really empower people to think out of the box as we do also in Arepas Grill. So you would pretty much find, or I would pretty much find the cachapa really accessible and versatile as well, even though it's dairy in it. But um, you could, you know, you definitely could uh, mix the cachapa with the, uh, any arepa ingredients or fillings. So you could, you know, come along with a substantial uh, meal and it could be really worth the try though. So no, so no, so, so nothing that you you dream of at night. Um, well, I'll say. Blanca knows I'm very. If, <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I'm from a peculiar um, city of Venezuela, which is called Barquisimeto. Okay. That's pretty much five hours and a half away from the capital, which is Caracas, and we do tend to eat loads of um, uh, loads of red meat. Okay. Yeah. So um, it could be, you know, it could be a barbecue or it could be, you know, it could be anything. It could be even a, a, a little chicken. But, you know, a dream meal easily could be a pavilion for any Venezuelan people who are living abroad. Yeah. I mean, if you access to a pavilion, no matter where you are, you are feeling homey. Have you tried pavilion yourself? I have not. So. Well, then you must come around to Arepas Grill and give it a go. And please come with loads of hunger yeah, because yeah. we're going to feed you well. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried it when I when I went to Eat Yard a couple of times and I had it and it was delicious. And it's 
And also one thing we didn't mention is how uh, I think arepas are so Instagrammable. They're just gorgeous. And they just, because you can see all the food inside, they're beautiful. That's it. And, 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 and it's interesting that you just mentioned Blanca, because nowadays you could actually see the food porn as well going on, which has become really trendy on the social media uh, pages as well. So when you get those really pro- provocative meals out there in a picture, and it tends you to become hungry, even though you are not hungry. That's the whole, you know, point. On your website, you have a great video of people with arepas. So if you want to go to their website, yes. it's, yeah. Can you just tell people uh, your website? Um, so it's, are, it's arepas, arepas grill Darai. Arepas is spelled A-R-E-P-A-S, arepas. And then grill, how it sounds. like what you heard or better yet have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today we really want to hear from you so please contact us at instagram at spice bags pod twitter as well as the same spice bags pod or you can email us at spice bags pod at gmail.com this show is part of the head stuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.